Listen in to find out how pharmacy automation can decrease or remove all shrinkage in your business. How much would that save you? Plus, how you can get your exclusive invitation to the Transformation Book Launch. Welcome to the Transformation Show, where successful pharmacy owners and technology partners help you to build a better 21st century pharmacy by embracing technology. Here is your host, Robert Starr. G'day everyone and welcome back to Transformation, the only show dedicated to pharmacy and technology in the world to give you, the motivated pharmacy owner, all the tools, all you need to start building a smarter, more successful 21st century business. My name's Robert Starr, your host and guide on this fantastic journey of ours. And welcome to episode 16. We're going to be interviewing Leon Thomas shortly, who's a pharmacy automation veteran, and we'll get to him in shortly. And we're going to also cover how you can get your exclusive invitation to the Transformation Book Launch in mid-August. I haven't got a date exactly, but that'll come to you the minute I know it, and it'll come out to you. So how you get hold of your exclusive invitation is by clicking on a link that I'm going to throw on the blog site, robertstar.wordpress.com today. And if you click on that, as soon as the invitations are out, it'll hit your inbox quicker than you can say book launch. So I look forward to getting as many of you along to the event. I've decided we're just going to have one big book launch in Melbourne. And funnily enough, on a transformation journey, we're going to use technology to give everyone nationally around the country and across the world a way to involve themselves in the launch on the day. It's really exciting, working out all the details right now, but fear not, you don't need to fly in from the US for the book launch. I'll appreciate anyone who does, but I'm going to be able to find a very special way to include all of you in this very special event for transformation. We're going to have headline guests. You'll get a presentation from me and a delicious breakfast. And as a listener to this show, you'll be the first to know about it. I would love and the biggest, most appreciative thing that you could do for me is to, if you know any pharmacy owners that could benefit from this show or even just to come along to the launch and find out everything about transformation, just don't send any email that you get or even just let them know that you're listening to this great podcast of ours and that you've enjoyed the journey. I'd be most appreciative. And again, if you'd love to get onto iTunes or also SoundCloud and leave a review, I'd love to see it from you. It'd be brilliant. I'd much appreciate it. Also, a little update as well is that Melbourne's actually been trumped by Brisbane of recent episodes as well. So hello to everyone up in Brisbane. I hope you're enjoying the show and I look forward to uh, hearing from you on the book launch day as well. As I said, there'll be a great way you can get involved. I can't wait to bring that to you as well. Our interview today is with Leon Thomas. He's a community pharmacist based in Castlemaine, part of the Thomas and Chong group of eight stores. They first implemented their first robot in 2009, and in 2014, they're looking to implement their second. Leon Thomas, welcome to the Transformation Show. Thank you, Robert. It's lovely to be here. Uh, great, Leon. Look, it's been great to, great to get you on and uh, up there in lovely Castlemaine. And um, I, um, I wanted to um, ask you straight up, Leon, um, when you left university, um, what did you imagine your first pharmacy would look like? And did it involve technology or was that just something that evolved over time? Oh, Robert, that's a bit of a tough one. You almost make me laugh because <laughs> I think I'm almost off the arc, you've got to remember. <laughs> Um, but no, in seriousness, my former business partner was quite innovative in his own right. I believe he was one of the first 10 in Australia to have a computer. Um, and I think his influence was quite influential in me wanting to continue in a technological vein in the industry. Um, so I don't know if I ever had visions, but we always were looking for options. Well, what was the, what was the first um, bit of technology? I know that uh, you know, obviously, all the PDE machines and that that the wholesalers introduced. But uh, what was the first thing that you you, you used? Well, it was a, um, and some of you guys would be too young to remember, but it was an old Commodore sixty four computer running our dispensary <laughs> recording system. Yeah. 
Um, that was very innovative at the time. Um, and, and of course, then later on, they had PDE machines and that would hang off more advanced upgrades of that technology. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And look, obviously the, the, the foray of technology generally went around our, our core dispensing uh, responsibilities and needing to record patient details. But um, yeah, I, I guess um, look, looking back on, uh, on, on how we've gone, it's probably quite accelerated quite a bit in the last few years. But um, I guess what's been the most exciting thing that, um, that you've implemented in the last uh, five or 10 years? Um, well, obviously, um, you know, our discussion today is going to centre around pharmacy automation in Absolutely. the dispensary. Um, that would have to be at the forefront of what we've achieved. Um, having said that, I think innovative things, I was lucky enough to be involved at the board level of the Kenmark um, franchise group for quite a while. Yep. Um, and you, you're well aware that your father and I were quite compatriots in that area. Absolutely. Um, and we believe we had a lot to do with bringing uh, the pharmacist out to meet the customer in, in the industry. So I think the the motivation for me to do that was um, inherent in the automation of the dispensary. Yeah. Absolutely. So it sort of was a segue into that area. Yeah, no, absolutely. And look, the, the workflows never really change. It's just the technology that can um, enable just better patient pharmacist contact. So you, the automation is why what, what, what we've got you here, Leon, because I know that you and your partner, Kim, ha, Kim have a great story to tell. Um, so um, you guys have um, had one for, was it 2009 that you first implemented it? I think that's, um, I was trying to remember last night, Robert, when I was um, <laughs> making a few little notes and I can't, I think that's about the right year. So it's a little while now. Okay. Yeah. So I guess what, what got you to that stage of, you know, wanting to go pharmacy automation, it probably would have been perhaps one in the first handful of um, robots in the country. Um, so I guess what drew you to that? Obviously the patient pharmacist contacted improved with other things, but what drove you to it? Um, I think uh, Ken and I had several, um, we might call them field trips to pharmacies that we thought were perhaps doing it better than we were. We were also getting some pressure to do a new refit. And as all of our listeners are probably aware that um, refits are not cheap. No. And we thought um, now's a good time to throw all the balls in the air and see if there's a better way to interact with our customer. Um, that, uh, you know, shall we say, tour or series of tours and readings and videos and things like that led us to believe that we've somehow got to put our pharmacists in the face of the customer more efficiently. But like you mentioned earlier, we've still got the, the problem of the workload. Yep. Um, and we had to take out some of that manual workload of the process and deliver some time yeah. to uh, to our pharmacists to give them, um, you know, that face time, we called it, with our valued customers. Um, interestingly, at about the same time, I think it was the PSA were preaching about the one-minute manager. Yeah. Um, and at the time, I didn't really know what they meant about that until we, we had some, you know, we've always been active with the universities in allowing placements and things like that. And I, I can remember one particular student who was very good at it and quite passionate. Um, and that was another little trigger for us to say, okay, we have to put our pharmacist in front of the customer at every transaction where possible. Yeah, absolutely. And, and even going a step further back, and that's certainly going to be ever present in the minds of our listeners who are considering pharmacy automation at the moment. You mentioned you went on a, on a bit of a tour of um, some pharmacies that you saw that were doing it a, a little bit better or were a bit innovative. Um, what type of pharmacies did you look at and, you know, what really stuck out from what they were doing that, um, you know, really unlocked that um, possibility in your mind of pharmacy automation? Um, okay, well, we we looked, searched out people who were doing, um, I think there was a pharmacy down at Mornington at the time who were very well known in Victoria here, um, and they had a sit-down dispensing system. 
Now, that had inherent issues with speed. You know, the customers, um, we had the opportunity to um, uh, look at that and and also have a quick chat to a couple of customers and their criticism of that was that it was too slow. Yeah. Um, so that probably was one of the leads for us to say, look, we have to find a way to get the, the physical item into the pharmacist's hands uh, more effectively. Mm, absolutely. Uh, yeah. That might, might have been the uh, old Morgan and Rule pharmacy. Was that, was that, uh, that That's the one, yeah. 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 And that, look, they were very innovative at the time. I, I think they were probably two or three or four years ahead of their time. Yeah, no, absolutely, and I think that one's uh, changed hands probably a couple of times since. Yes. Uh, yeah, so, uh, I guess, so when, when you were assessing, um, obviously, that you decided that pharmacy automation was really going to enable that speed and a, and a far more seamless patient-pharmacist interaction, um, what process did you and Ken go through of deciding, well, which one was going to be the right one? Obviously, the number of vendors is more more widely spread now, but what, what did you go through in terms of... Yeah, well, well, at the time, there was only two vendors in the market. Um, there was one um, that's really just a vending machine, um, and they were very effective at delivering your top 20% of lines. Ken and I, seeing, you know, we get back to this shop fit costing, we thought we wanted something that was more complete, if you like, yep. inherently covering the whole stock range if possible. And um, it was quite by accident we came across Goldman um, through, a, I think it was a, first of all an ad we saw in one of the magazines, then we made some inquiries, then I think they had a little show somewhere, must have been one of the APPs or something like that, perhaps, I can't remember. Yeah. Um, and we realised that, look, I think this is a more complete solution for us. Um, where we, I can't remember the exact number, but at the moment I believe we've got less than about, I would guess, 30 lines that can't go in the robot um, and also I'd exclude also the DDs and our fridge lines, yep. of course. Yep. Um, so to us that was a big plus where everything was in one spot as much as possible. Yep. And and when when you I guess when you first implemented it and obviously the, the technology presumably has improved since um, I guess what in preparation for putting it in because um, you know, generally speaking I think our listeners are familiar that it does take considerable number of time to get the robot over from an, a foreign country because they're generally not all made made here they may be assembled but um, what what did you do in preparation for it You mentioned you needed to do it a shop fit did that change the way you were going to lay out your dispensary and also the traffic leading up to the dispensary in the pharmacy as well absolutely it was um quite an involved process and in the end we had to do it as a three-part thing um we were very keen to take advantage of um a certain prime minister at the time mr rudd's um generous investment allowance yes and and that put time constraints on when and how we could do it so we were very forced into making a decision to purchase number one and then of course the germans um, being very uh, automated themselves were keen to get it all happening and, and they were very beneficial in the whole process we decided we'd work inside out we designed a dispensary and then push that out to the shop, um, which at the time was incorporating the, in inverted commas, new Chemart model of yeah. full dispense. Um, and look, the, the process, I won't say it was smooth, but um, it did happen. And interestingly enough, our customers loved the, um, you know, or the, the drama, if you like. Mm. Um, mm. In fact, so much so at one stage, I think it was towards the end of the, what I'd call the second phase, I was actually already scheduled to go on a holiday and I went on that holiday and came back and everything was up and running and, you know, all good. 
Oh, f- fantastic. And uh, as we've established with a number of pharmacy owners we've spoken to about their automation now, did you did your customers name the robot for you? And, uh, you know, did you take them on tours of how it all worked? <laughs> well, um, that's probably a two-part answer from my <laughs> perspective. Um, we did actually decide um, in the early process not to make the robot, um, shall I say, visible or like a showpiece. We elected that we wanted more um, shelf space visible and our robot's actually a little bit hidden apart from the um, quite elaborate conveyor belt system that delivers the medicines right to the uh, right hand of each pharmacist. Um, So we, after that all happened and we decided we wouldn't put it on show so to speak, we then said well we've got to let them know we've got a robot because they don't know really know what's happening and um, we announced a competition and um, I think it was from memory a fourth grade kid at one of the local primary schools decided his name had to be Robbie. <laughs> and, um, and that was quite exciting. So ever since then, he's been Robbie and yes, he is a male and maybe the next one might be a female. Who knows? Uh, very good. Well, uh, c- certainly uh, Tim Shelton up in <laughs> Bensdale has got a Connie and a James, so we've got a Robbie to add to it as well. So no, oh, there you go. We'll, uh, yeah. we'll have to get a group photo one day. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, it's all, all a bit of fun. Yeah. Um, you did also mention, Robert, about people having a look in that. Yeah. What we have done, um, more one-by-ones and two-by-threes and that, is invite um, regular and good customers out the back, shall we speak, yeah. um, to just have a look at the the process, and they they're blown away when they come around the corner and see what's what's sitting there. Um, it's it's a pretty impressive piece of uh, machinery, yeah. and the number of people that have come back and said, "Oh, do you mind if you know my son is a computer engineer or a." someone might have a daughter as an engineer. Um, you know, they're, they're all wanting a look. Yeah, absolutely. And so, look, we're talking 2009 here. Um, so what what did you find was the most noticeable change when the robot came into customer behaviour and even your team? Um, we've spoken with uh, Greg and Tim about how they prepared their team for having the robot implemented. Did you do something similar with Kin as well? We, we absolutely did. Um, at the time, we had a, an operations manager, and we put him in charge of um, basically team meetings of because it was a whole change of process from customer coming in to prescription going out. Um, and we had to, as part of the Kenmark model, there was an issue of customers wanting to come straight to the pharmacist first up, yep. and that obviously caused issues of. Um, shall we say, workflow interruption. So we had to train the girls first off to say, look, this is our reception point. Your script will end up over here. And when it's finished, our pharmacist will call you up. Um, And in fact, I think by um, version six, we had it pretty right. Yeah. Now we have a a system where we, we actually call up the customer before the prescription's finished. Um, and we finish it in front of them. Um, and that has actually given us this one minute manager thing, which, you know, if we go back to that sort of concept, yeah. um, I might sort of, as a bit of a segue, during our discovery tour, we found out, and um, I'm not normally, normally this anal with statistics, but hmm. um, we found out that on average, each prescription, and that might be one, two or three, say, items, took 23 seconds to pick from the shelf. Um, Now we worked out, okay, we're already say a third to a half of our 60 seconds saved by having the medicine brought to our right hand. Um, So then we only had to find another 30 seconds and we're all all of a sudden we're one minute managers. Absolutely. Um, And that was where we picked up this bit of calling them up, shall we speak, a little bit earlier than when you're actually finished. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and that's been a very, very good, um, you know, uh, shall we say, contact uh, improvement. Mm, no, absolutely, and and also, um, Leon, with how you, were your dispense techs um, dispensing for pharmacists prior to the robot's inception? They were a little bit of both. 
Um, and that probably brings us to uh, staff angst. Mm. Um, of course, when this big, ugly bit of um, steel and electronics was uh, ordered and eventually made the site, um, they were a bit worried about their jobs. Yeah. And in fact, we made it abundantly clear and we've kept our promise and there's no need to have changed anything we did in that respect, that we've actually been able to get them doing all that stuff so that our pharmacists are pushed forward. And, and in fact, a lot of the times they might say do the big script, we might say of the 10 items or something out the back. Yep. Um, and that's still being done by the robot. Um, but it's allowing our pharmacists that contact time with the, the counselling and all that. Yeah. So the, the role of the dispense tech, um, do they administer and load the robot on an everyday basis? And I guess how has their role changed um, around that now? Um, the, the short answer is yes. Um, their role has changed, um, but it's actually been good from a, um, a work cover point of view. We've probably all got Webster packers in our stores and um, a lot of them are working two, three hour shifts and they have a break and off they go again. And, and we didn't think that's healthy for, um, you know, their posture and uh, things like their back health and that. Yes. And we suddenly realised we can use, um, because the loading doesn't have to happen in one hit like traditionally we have done with putting an order away, we decided jobs like that could be done like broken up into bits through the day. Yeah. And um, so now the, the staff have a more varied day, if you like. So today's not just Webster packing. It's it's definitely putting away stock every day. It's checking for expired stock in the robot, getting those spat out and see if another store can use them um, like that. Um, it's obviously the, the normal other tasks as well. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. So I guess we've gone through the journey of how you've got the robot inside. It's 2009, we're now 2014. So over the five years, what have you found that has changed? And also retrospectively, as a second part to the question, looking back on those five years, what would you love to have done differently? Um, okay, well, obviously, PBS reform, um, if we want to take it to a broadsheet, Yep. has come in and reared its head. Uh, that's put a lot of challenges on things like cash flow and more importantly, um, product flow. So um, I think the thing that the robot, uh, if I like to give him a little uh, shake of the hand has helped us, hmm. is with shrinkage and planning for, you know, we had to reduce our stock, say if something was dropping by 60%. Yeah. Um, we were able to get that, um, definitely our Castle Main store was the best at controlling that because we knew um, what stock we had, when it was expiring, obviously through a software you know how many you use and you could just control um, virtually to the one SKU uh, what you wanted to keep, you know, whether you could, okay, run that stock out and then wait till next month till the prices drop and off we go again. Mm. Um, I think it was much easier doing it in that store than it was in the other stores. Mm. Uh, the the other thing, of course, is um, I, I think in my time in the industry, I've never seen such out of stocks. And this um, bit of machinery has helped us reduce our inventory holdings, but um, being mindful of the things that are, you know you hear that are going out of stock, you you might take an opportunity to grab them if they're available. Um, and you know, as I mentioned earlier, most of our products are stored, not just the top twenty percent of the lines. Yeah. So the other advantage is, which used to, you know, and I'm sure some pharmacies that are not automated still have the issue is um, expiry date checking. Yes. One of the advantages of this system is that we uh, input the expiry date for every item. Yes. Now, uh, people say, well, that's a waste of time. Well, it's not really because all your common fast movers automatically get a two-year expiry unless they're less, which you can change, and then the rest of your, you know, might be your other 80% all get the actual expiry date. Yeah. And we spit those out the robot usually within six months of expiry 
giving us a chance to share them to other stores. Um, and our shrinkage has dropped to, well, virtually nothing. Mm, no, that's a, that's a tremendous efficiency gain, absolutely. Yeah. But um, I suppose retrospectively as well, um, going back to you know when the implementation was done, when the shop fit was done, I guess if you could fast for well, rewind the clock back five five years, would you have done anything differently, or was there anything about the the robot that you have, or the way it was implemented that you would have thought, well, now that we're five years ahead, we've learnt this, we could probably have done it differently. Um, look, to be honest, Robin, I think we got it about 95% right. Okay. Um, and that's not just us, as in Thomas and Chong. Yeah. I think, you know, to Goldman's credit, they've got a good product um, and it virtually delivered on everything they said. The, the one rider I would put to that is the software vendors in Australia have let us down a little bit. Um, there were promises of um, automatic order loading where you can just bring up um, from your portal to say, right, this is the invoice, and then you start scanning your products in. When you finish scanning in what you've physically got, it should say, all right, okay, all complete, or you're missing this, or you've got two more of that. Yeah. Um, so whereas at the moment you've got a bit of double-checking. So that was a promise. It was no fault of the robotics, but more mm. the software vendors in Australia um, didn't deliver. Um, I actually had the opportunity of being in Germany in 2011 um, yeah. and did a fair bit of a tour um, subsequent, obviously, where, you know, about a year and a half post-installation at that stage. And the Germans have had that from day one. Yeah. And it, it is a huge, huge um, workflow benefit and I think you know I've been putting a lot of pressure on to our software people even to the point where I offered to pay for it and they're frightened that the robotics uh, computerization is going to stuff their <laughs> uh, systems up and I think they need to get in the 21st century. Absolutely. Yeah, look, it's it's something that I think has come up as a consistent theme in every one of these interviews that, uh, you know, realistically integration, it, it's got so much capability of automating and making things far more efficient, but it can really slow you down if you double data entry and, uh, you know, it's really you're right in this century it shouldn't happen so i think yes. if, if, if we do have if we do have some of our banner group leaders who i know do listen to this show i think it's important that uh, we take note and uh solve this problem so that uh, leon can stop pulling his hair out <laughs> uh, actually robert it's probably a good advertisement you know um, feel free for anyone to ring myself or kin we will we'd love to help you get it happening because the germans have offered to do it but yeah. the australians won't let it happen yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so in, term, in terms of um, where, where you and Kin are at now, I know that you're looking at potentially putting in another robot. So the process you followed five years ago of looking around at some of the better pharmacies and going on a little bit of a tour, have you done that again? Um, we have. Uh, obviously, there's been another entrant in the market since we did it. Yep. Um, so we obviously revisited that. But um, look, to be honest, we went back to where we are and as we speak we've actually got a robot in storage um, pending a, a major shop refit yeah um, so that that will be another Goldman unit yeah um, going in um, interestingly you know people might remember that um, Goldman got a bit of a, a name shall we say when the local Australian um, agent I think you'd call it went uh, broke yes but to Goldman's credit from the German angle, from day one, we've never ever had an issue. Any service issues we've had have been answered at the agreed time frame. Yeah. Um, so we had no real reason to move, even through some pretty trying times, you know. Yeah. And, and I guess, as, as we spoke about with Tim as well, being, um, you know, outside of the CBD um, in rural areas, um, are there any, have there been any times where, you know, you've really had to lean on the service and, you know, did it exceed your expectations or, you know, did it sometimes, you know, was it a bit frustrating? Um, look, there's probably more of the former. Um, I, you know, we were quite surprised. We're only say an hour and a half maximum from the city yeah um so i think that helps um because even when technicians were say in 
uh, New South Wales at the time. It was just a matter of jumping on a plane and they'd be here fairly quickly. Yeah. Um, but the probably the one thing might be, you know, every now and again we'd, we found there was a bit of a fault with a, a, the way the picking head happened. But to their credit, they actually got a bit of material um, and they discovered from our whinging, you might call it, that they needed to upgrade the standard of the, I think it was like a, um, a silicon type um, seal, you know. Yeah. Uh, because the thing uses a, a compressed air uh, sucking device to actually pick the stock off the shelves. Um, and, and look, that you know, we never had a major issue. We weren't down for days or anything like that, put it that way. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And we always seem to, even when they want to do maintenance, um, probably nine times out of ten we can do it while we're operating. Yeah. And in implementing this new one, um, has your shop fit design changed? Um, is there any, any new ways that you're thinking of using the robot in the pharmacy, I guess, for you know better patient pharmacist contact? Um, yeah, look, it's probably an evolution of what we've been doing. This is a much smaller um, and probably more correctly tighter site. Um, so that's been the, the biggest challenge. Um, and the other thing is I think the designers in the industry are still not on top of the best way to site these. So we, we feel actually the design part, we're in some respects better than them at um, doing that and that's probably not blowing our own trumpet. Yeah. Um, but they, they're not on top of the best way to actually implement and design the whole workflow around the robot. Yeah. Uh, because the robot doesn't have to be next to you. It can you know, bring your stock on a conveyor belt, for example. Yeah, ab absolutely. And I guess that brings me to the question of when you're implementing the robot, obviously there's a lot of work that you and Ken are doing independently, um, but also with your supplier's support. So is, is Goldman helping you with that implementation? Have they helped design your workflow? What, what support have they offered you? Um, yeah, look, they, they did preliminary sketches um, for us, which was similar to the process we did with um, Castle Main. Um, the, the Probably the learning thing they need to do is the interactive part of the pharmacist to customer. I think they still haven't got that 100%. So when those two things marry up, I think the companies will um, have a better um, liaison with like pharmacist designer and eventually the customer, of course, because that's what we're all there for. Mm, no, absolutely. And <clears throat> is there a point in a point in a business where you consider that it'd be right for automation? Is there a tipping point where you can see a number of customers or a workflow? Um, or conversely, do you see that in the twenty first century, with where you know we are all needing to transform transform our businesses into those patient centric ones. Is a robot mandatory, do you think, for a 21st century pharmacy? Um, look, I think in the ideal world, Robert, yes, every pharmacy should have a robot. Um, in the real world, I think it's, um, it's, a, it's a cost slash cash flow issue yes. um, because they're not cheap. Um, even though I might admit they have come down quite substantially um, and that's what was partly influencing our decision to um, get our second one underway. Uh, uh, um, we also have another site where, to be perfectly honest, we should put it in, but having done a, a refit just before, um, you know, we were sort of ready to do it, um, we're, we're financially and under the current landscape, we're finding it hard to validate. Yeah. Um, so you've got that that issue of okay yes you should have it but can you afford it and well, probably by nature most pharmacists are fairly conservative and that probably includes us 
Yeah, yeah. Look, certainly the, the the feedback I do get a lot is that um, you know you want to see a tangible benefit almost before you're investing into it, and you know it's one one of those things. And I asked Greg that same question, and uh, it, it found that you know you could do the numbers on perhaps what it might cost over a five year lease period, and you know you'd pay it off in five years, and then obviously have a greater benefit after five years. But um, you know the capacity issue that. Uh, he raised where you know having a, a number of prescriptions increasing at, at the time and not needing to re- recruit more staff to manage that workflow was a major benefit but I guess it is evolving landscape and um, you have to just call it as, as you see it right at the moment. Yeah and you know like you, you were sort of saying is there a script number? Um, look I, I think there is um, it's probably got to be around that um, maybe 200 mark to 230 perhaps um but you know like i'd be happy for the companies to come at us when we do our third one and and say you know look we can validate it at a lower number because look there's definitely benefits um but you know i i'm a bit critical of uh, the workflow legals that uh the various uh, authorities have placed on pharmacists. I believe we're getting a little bit soft, to be honest. Mm. Um, but maybe automation can help us get around that. We could put a case forward that you can do, you know, 250 scripts on your own, which at the moment the various um, authorities, as we all know, don't really like. Mm. Mm, no, absolutely. And, and, and Leon, you, you and Kim obviously have to do a lot of due diligence when you're making these decisions. Um, how, how, how do you both keep up to date on, on technology and, um, you know, is it um, magazines? Like, what do you guys follow? Um, well, <laughs> that's probably a, 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 be a great question for Kim. I've just come back from a lovely US holiday <laughs> and on his wrist he's got this watch which it's worth looking at in its own right. You know, it's it's this thing that can tell him his phone's just rung or his wife's um, got an appointment or that and, and I said to him, what is that? We, mu- said, we, we must be it? talking about the Google gear then, I imagine. <laughs> uh, I reckon it is. <laughs> and he said to me, Leon, we've got to keep up to date. So, you know, like... Um, I've been lucky of taking on a younger partner. Um, we've purposely had younger pharmacists around us, and they're they're obviously tech savvy. Yeah. Um, I'm I love my Mac platforms, and I you know at least once a week looking for new apps and things like that. Yeah. Um, in fact, I've just come back from my US trip, and I've discovered there was a um, shall we say a till at, at a, a clothing shop that my um, partner was visiting yeah. and all the till in inverted commas comprised of was an iPad with a little maybe one inch by two inch uh, device hanging off it that could swipe your credit card. Absolutely. Now I think we are that far behind in this country and especially in our industry things like that need to be implemented and quickly Yeah. Um, because you know we talked about um, like uh, customer flow earlier on in our discussion. The other problem we have is the customer flow at the till, and I don't believe we do it very well in this country. Yeah. Um, because they wait for their script. Why should they also wait to get served at the till? Yeah, no, look, it's on show every every time. If you only need to, and any of our listeners who do frequent the Apple store, as I do, um, yes. on, on, the, on the weekend I had to replace a pair of headphones. And can I tell you, I didn't even have to line up. You've got an application for the Apple store now on your iPhone. You log into it in the store. You scan the headphones. You pay with your Apple ID, and you walk straight out the door. And uh Obviously, there's a whole range of issues that I'm sure we could talk about as far as risks and problems there. But uh, at the same time, you know, you only have to press a button to bring someone over. And uh, I think we really need to be bridging that gap. I I wholeheartedly agree with that. Yeah. And, you know, like, um, I think we need to respect our customers' time because we're all time poor. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, we're all, I think that's one of the big things that we do do is uh, that, you know, our discount pharmacies are well known for trying to save people money, but I think we could all be saving people a lot of time and obviously pharmacy automation can save you a lot of waiting time and, you know, really add more value as pharmacists as what we're really trained to do in terms of delivering great health outcomes. So, yeah, absolutely. That's I think right. I think saving time is a good quest to have, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, but... Um... You know, I, I think the more time we can get our people in front of the customer with information and take out all this transaction um, mumbo-jumbo, yeah. uh, whether it be a dispensing process or a, a, a transaction of credit card or cash or something, uh, that's only got to benefit the um, experience the customer has in our stores. Absolutely. And Leon, it might be a good segue as well, and perhaps we may have just hit it, but we'll, we'll hit it again. Um, what would you say um, as being the biggest game-changing technology that if you, if no, if time and resources were really no barrier, um, what would you love to implement in your pharmacy? And it doesn't even have to be something that exists right at the moment. Oh, okay. Um, I'll tell you my vision is for a customer to be able to walk in, have their script scanned um, without even talking to someone, that um, uh, or their order or whatever they want, and then next thing they're called over and they're picking it up and getting advice about whatever they've purchased. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, it's virtually, you know, it's a seamless uh, visit in your store, if you like. Um, yeah, because as I mentioned earlier, this wait, wait, wait thing is, um, it does my head in. Absolutely. So what do you see as the pharmacist's role in a, in a, in a, in a seamless technology world like that? Um, well, I think, uh, you know, people like yourself, Robert, are bringing to our attention all the, um, you know, I'll call them apps or programs or the various technologies out there. I think we need to find a way to make them all integrate um, and we need to get better at all these things like, you know, PPIs and meds checks and HMRs and all that. And that should be happening virtually paperlessly, you know, yeah. um, so that we're, we're spending the time, the energy and the attention with the customer, not on book work and um, government compliance. Yep. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. And finally, Leon, if we can leave our listeners with uh, a couple of little points of advice uh, from from Leon and uh, and Ken as well, um, where what would you recommend if 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 pharmacy owners in that position of look, a pharmacy automation sounds very good. I'm you know getting quite excited about it. What what would you say would be the number one thing they should do before considering a robot right now? Um. Okay, I would talk to the vendors in the market. I would try and work out what the machine can do and, and really they need to also have worked out prior to that what they want to achieve. Then you need to visit sites like ourselves and um, see it in action and see what maybe we do wrong or another person does wrong or right and, and um, see the benefits uh, because you're making a big financial decision um, but it could change the way you practice for the rest of your life absolutely i think that's a, that's a, that's a great advice to take away thank you very much leon it's been great having you on the show and uh, we look forward to having you maybe even kin next time back on the show in the not too distant future all right robert and thank you and your endeavors in bringing transformation to the pharmacy industry i think it's a wonderful innovation cheers thanks leon Good on you. Well, I think Leon left us with a massive kick of inspiration with his final quote. It could change the way you practice for the rest of your life. So for those pharmacy owners who are listening to us thinking, oh, I don't know about pharmacy automation. I don't know if it's for me. I don't know what it could do to my practice. You know, that's someone who's been in pharmacy automation for five years. It is still very new in this country. As I mentioned in our last episode, we're very, very low on adoption rate compared to the rest of the world. So they are enjoying the benefits of this. And again, it can change your life. It's a good segue into our three key learnings. So the three things I took away was pharmacy automation. It's not just about saving you time. It's about saving your patients time. 
As I spoke about in the interview, there's a whole lot of press that goes around from our discount pharmacies of how we're saving patients money. We're assuming that that's all that matters to our patients. I think our time is more valuable because we get such a limited amount of it over the course of our lives. And if we can improve that for our patients, I think our significance as clinicians and as pharmacists is far more, far more effective and far more impactful as well. We can do this at the register, in our customer experience, Integration of systems. I'm not going to harp on it again. I've already given our, our systems vendors a little bit of a whack there. We need to get on top of it because it's going to save our pharmacists and also our patients a heap of time in getting out of this data, data entry and double data entry as well. We need to use the time also to ensure that we save time when it comes to selecting the right medicine for a patient as well. By donating the time away from the workflow into our patient pharmacist interactions, we can use that time to personalize our advice and our products and services for our patients. Number two is identify the best innovating pharmacies and visit them frequently. Leon and Kin were good exponents of this. They did a very long and, and uh, very diligent tour in 2009 before getting their first, and they repeated it again in 2014. They didn't get arrogant and say, well, we've been using automation for five years. There's nothing better out there. We're just going to replicate. They've gone back. They've looked at any new vendors that have come into the market and they've made the decision based on good due diligence. But number three is that robots are all about one percenters as well. Having a bit of a football background myself, I love the one percenters of how we can improve little bits and pieces that can have a really impactful statement on our businesses long term and robots is a really big one there because we can pick that up as Leon was talking about out of stocks management we can do it far more efficiently expiry date checking it doesn't have to be done manually and we can get alerted when we're down to six months so if we do have a network of stores like Kin and Leon they can share that stock around there so that your shrinkage becomes almost negligible and I reckon that's a big cost factor in our business. Any operational efficiency that we can take on in our business goes straight to our bottom line and that's where it all matters. And obviously it can help with things like PBS reform. So when you need to run down your stocks towards the end of the month when a price drop is coming, that you're able to do that very efficiently as well. So a lot to take out of this. It's an exciting pharmacy automation journey and another great addition to our series. This week's micro transformation is around remote monitoring. It can be a real lifesaver when you physically can't get into the pharmacy, whether it be for a personal or a physical reason. And it can give you the peace of mind that you're able to keep track of all of your business metrics and anything that you may have on your business network from anywhere, anytime. So in typical transformation fashion, we're gonna follow the four steps. So the first step is education. And obviously in 10 minutes here, we're not gonna be able to cover absolutely everything, but I'm gonna give you a very quick snapshot and I reckon it's so easy, you'll be able to get started straight away. So the education side is around what is remote monitoring software? Well, I gather that you would have all been in contact with this at least indirectly in your business. Anytime there's been any issue with point of sale, dispense software, the tech support teams at any of the vendors would no doubt be remote logging into your business. Now the majority of them use something called LogMeIn123, which would involve you going to a web page, they'll give you a code, you type it in, and they're into your system, and they can stay there for as long as they want to, and also for as long as you'll let them as well. Then there's also things like remote desktop. So remote desktop is where you can access straight out of the box from a Mac or a PC, any PC screen on the network as well, provided you have the password for each individual computer. And that basically gives you the opportunity to remote with your keyboard and mouse and do whatever you would normally do on that computer from whatever location you may be in within the store. And using remote software, you can again do everything that you would do when you're physically at the store from a remote location as well. 
Obviously, the only exception generally is that you don't then have the ability to insert a CD or install programs and things like that. But there have been some improvements in that area, particularly with the software that I'm going to talk about today. So step two in discovery. So where is it going to be most meaningful, meaningful for us? Where are we going to save the time and how is it going to give us freedom? Well, I'd gather we've all been in off-site meetings where we may have met with suppliers or it might be with business associates or professional services people like legal, um, solicitors, things like that, and we've needed to get documents. And we spoke about being paperless last week and also in the previous few weeks about file synchronization and cloud storage of documents. Again, that gives you the possibility of doing that. But if you haven't got to that stage yet, and there's no, no problem if you haven't, and you've still got all your files on a single computer, the best transition you can have is to go with a remote monitoring software so that you can actually dial in, literally, not literally, <laughs> we're not using those dial-up modems anymore, but you can literally jump on your back office PC if that's where the majority of your files are kept and you can actually grab whatever you need to, again, from anywhere, anytime. You might be on holidays and obviously we try not to work when we're away, but there is the odd time that we might wanna jump in and check a few figures and print a few reports and things like that. That can all be done. It might be leisure time, we might be away, we may also need to be working from home as well. Um, you know, pharmacy owners, you know, like myself and that who have got young kids, sometimes we have had to work from home and it's a real lifesaver when you've got that opportunity. There's also training. Um, there's also the um, train, training capability where, again, you may not be on site, but you need to train someone to do something for you in store. And again, you're able to do that. Might also be when you're running updates as well, instead of staying back overnight to run updates and download them from the internet and apply them and restart PCs, you can actually do that from the comfort of your own home as opposed to having to stay in the pharmacy to do it. And again, there's professional versions of this remote software that will enable you to do that. One of, the, one of the aspects where it's helped me is where we've had to generate medication advisory committee meeting reports. When I'm going down to a nursing home once a quarter to do a, do a committee meeting, that they need some reports. And often, you know, the meetings will start at 9 a.m. in the morning. I haven't got time to get into the pharmacy. So I'll just remote in overnight or in early morning, generate the reports, print them off, and actually have it sent directly to my phone that I'm able to then on-send to the, the uh, director of nursing. And also when you go and do nursing home visits, so when you go and do your medication chart audits and things like that, you also may need access to your dispense records as well. So we're gonna talk about how you can do all of that and how you can do it really, really easily. So number three being partnership is we're gonna to have to partner with a trusted technology partner that will not let us down and will function all the time for us. So the best one to start with, and again, following the transformation tradition, a free product. So log me in. So all one word, log me in. I'll put the links on the blog site as well. And you can actually download this. It's a, bit of, a little bit of software that sits on the computer that you want to remote into. And it will allow you, with a password protection and username, to be able to log in to the computer like you're sitting in front of it. The free version will allow you to do all of that. Um, and then, if you actually upgrade to a LogMeIn Pro subscription, that's a little bit more. It's generally around about the $20 a year, so it ain't going to break the bank if you invest in it. And that can allow you to actually print things locally on your machine at home or wherever you may be accessing it remotely. It allows you to transfer files, so you can literally just drag and drop files from a work PC onto yours at home. You can also... Um, print to PDF, and what a PDF is, is a portable document format. So anytime you've received something by email, you've been able to read it, but you haven't been able to edit it. Most likely it's a PDF, and that's generally, you most likely would see Adobe as the main reader that you would probably already have on your computer to do that. 
And so then you're able to actually do everything you want and grab any file that you need without having to do all the cloud storage and everything. You know, I had a great discussion um, with Leon before our, our interview today, and you know, he was a little bit a little bit skeptical about cloud and. You know, it was about, well, you know, is it, how do I know someone isn't going to hack into it and so forth? And, you know, the, the, the quick answer to cloud is that you don't have to do it. There are things like this, like remote monitoring software, that you don't have to do that. But I've always, and I use that example as well, is that cloud is like... I equate it to flying on a plane. So if you've got you know all your stuff stored on a server, computers in, on your network at the pharmacy, it's like you having a private plane. You you better know how to maintain those machines, keep them running, optimize them, make sure they're running quickly, service them, and know when it when it's time to replace them. And often, I think, as pharmacy owners, we tend to overlook these things and we tend to try and hang on to these machines longer than we can because it's just a case of, well, we'd have to buy another one. It's increasing costs. And, but cloud storage is like buying a seat on an A380. So it's like trying to, trying to fly from Melbourne to London without a private plane, buying into a state-of-the-art aeroplane where you literally just pay for a seat or rent a seat as it is in the cloud environment. You basically rent a little room where all of your data gets stored on a dedicated machine to you or a dedicated space to you. And the experts buy via a software license agreement will actually give you the assurance that you'll have 99.99% access to your data anywhere, anytime, and you'll be able to go to the utmost length of security around passwords. We all probably have these tokens that we have on in our key rings to access our banking facilities, much the same way you can do that with these types of cloud storage programs, and you can actually access those anywhere, anytime with three or four levels of security, if you like. So I tend to think, let the experts look after all of it, and then we don't have to, but we've got to start from somewhere, and that's why we're at remote monitoring today. Having said that, it does link with cloud file storage as well. So if you want to literally drag a file that's locally based, or it might have had to have been generated from your point of sale. So if you had to print off some reports and you did that to a PDF format or a digital document format, and you wanted to put that into your Dropbox or your Google Drive or Evernote, any of these ones that we've already spoken about, you can literally using LogMeIn just drag and drop and it's straight away in the cloud for you, which is a great, great feature that you have. And also, you've got the ability to also store these files locally as well. So LogMeIn also has an iPad and an iPhone app. So you're never left, and also Android as well, I might say, and you're able to access those anywhere, anytime, and you're able to actually drag a file from your desktop onto your phone and email it out if you need to. So if you're meeting with a supplier and they want your figures for the last six months, you can actually do that whilst you're having a chat to them in the meeting and not have to actually think about how am I going to fit that back into the day when I step back into the store away from the office or the meeting room. So you can do a whole lot of things at the time when you're actually needing it as well, which is giving you a lot of freedom. And also, you've got dose administration aid software. So, you know, there are things like Webster Care that have got Medscom, MPS have HealthStream, APHS have iCare, and all of these things can be accessed via cloud or also via remote login as well, and, you know, potentially even via a web browser. So, again, when you go out to nursing homes and you've got some visits that you're having, you're able to actually access all your data when you need anywhere, anytime. And I might also add that for one-on-one -on -one staff meetings, if you have to do those away from the store, and sometimes we do have to, and it's better to do it at the time rather than try and schedule it in a week or two in advance where it might fit in with your schedule, but you might find a pocket of 10 minutes here and there, and you might just want to grab one of your key staff and meet with them. Again, LogMeIn integrates with a program that they run called Join.me. 
I'll put the link on the site there as well. And you're able to have a computer to computer meeting where you can demonstrate things, you can give them control of your machine as well if you're training them. And over the top of that as well, it'll record it for you and then you can share a link back to that team member to reinforce the training you've done. So really, really useful guys. The optimization step, um, and again, I've put a call, I've put an email into Paul Naismith. I'm really hoping he'll accept and come on the program to talk about Fred Next, because Fred Next purports to be able to solve even the remote problems of actually needing to go through these processes. One thing about remote monitoring that I will disclose straight up is that it can sometimes take time to establish that connection and depending on the quality of your mobile connection or your fixed connection wherever you may be things do not go as quickly as if you're physically sitting in front of the computer the trade-off is you get access to it where you wouldn't otherwise but it does sometimes take a little bit of time to do things and it's not as responsive as a live pc in front of you so where fred next may fit in is they'll take all the dispense all the pos that you're very comfortable with from a fred perspective i'm sure other vendors will follow i've got no doubt because cloud is our future and they can actually manage all your updates. You don't have to do remote monitoring and you can literally have as responsive reactions from accessing your email via web. We spoke about Google Apps or even accounting system we may be comfortable with like Xero, which is again a great product that um, does all the software updates and it's a really um, nice user interface. Um, we won't talk about it today, obviously. I think that's another episode altogether. Um, but it's highly responsive and very easy to use from a, from even um, you know a very low level accounting knowledge background. So again, that's cloud based, and it's again available anywhere, anytime. So that's where the optimization will sit: is that we need to get our software vendors to build cloud dispense and point of sale programs for pharmacy and it will make our lives so much simpler, so much more responsive and give us ultimately more freedom in and out of the pharmacy. Guys, have a great week. I look forward to speaking to you again next week.